Welcome to this episode of Disease Du Jour, where we will be discussing the Merck Animal Health Veterinarian Wellbeing Study 2, conducted in September and October of 2019 in collaboration with the American Veterinary Medical Association. I'm your host, Kim Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. This study of U.S. veterinarians investigated well-being and mental health, critical issues facing the veterinary profession. The well-being study also examined job satisfaction, compensation, burnout, substance use disorder, cyberbullying, and suicide among veterinarians while evaluating potential solutions. Our guest for this episode of Disease Du Jour is Dr. Christine Royal, the Director of Veterinary Professional Services for Merck Animal Health's Companion and Equine Business. She earned both her Bachelor of Science in Microbiology and her Doctorate of Veterinary Medicine from Auburn University. Thank you, Dr. Royal, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about the Merck Animal Health Veterinarian Wellbeing Study 2. Thank you for having me, Kim, and especially to discuss this important topic. Well, Dr. Royal, let's just jump right in and say first, why is Merck Animal Health investing so much in veterinarian well-being research and resources? We're committed to the profession and supporting veterinarians through products and the solutions that we supply. And it's critically important for the long-term sustainability of our profession. We need to ensure that veterinarians are healthy and they have well-being. And second to that, when this issue first came to our attention and we had the opportunity to really take a look at the information that was out there, we found that there was no definitive assessment on what was the prevalence of mental health issues and well-being in the profession. There was a lot of talk about it, but not as many facts. And that really led us to having the passion to continue and, and do research in this area. So with this second well-being study, have we made progress on veterinarian well-being? We have made progress in veterinary well-being in just terms of awareness. So if we take a look at the data in terms of well-being, which is the measure of, if you take a holistic view of your life, best possible life versus worst possible life. Where are you in that spectrum? If we look at the results from the first study versus the second study, it's unchanged. However, in that study, we also found that veterinary well-being is lower than the general population. And I think while we can you know, certainly paint a, a doom and gloom picture of, you know, we're not getting any better. I think there's a couple of things that we need to take into perspective. Number one, that was only two years ago. We're, as a profession, this has really just been something that we've been talking about for the past couple of, of years. And we're continuing to figure out ways to, to support the profession. And I kind of liken it to is, you know, if, if you, uh, are if a horse comes to you and you're looking at working up that case, you need to uh, do your physical exam, work up the case, run diagnostics, and that's essentially what we're doing with the study is we're running a diagnostic of the veterinary profession and then coming up with the tools and treatments to be able to help the profession. And we're still fairly new 
in, in that spectrum. So though it's unchanged, I think there is positive news around the fact that we're staying flat, it's not getting worse. We didn't know that before doing the study. We didn't know if, if it was continuing to get worse year over year. And then I also think it calls us to recognize that there's still much work to be done in this area. One of the good things that came out of this study is that veterinarians really rated their job satisfaction very highly. Absolutely. And I think that's why we're called the veterinary medicine is because we love animals and the people that uh, we care for. And I think that that is really positive that it's the intrinsic factors that relate to our job are positive and we love what we're doing. It's a lot of the extrinsic factors that are causing us to perhaps not be willing to recommend it to others, the profession to others anyways. So that's a good segue into, in this study, what did veterinarians say they were concerned about? I, the highest concerns within our profession, I, I term it the three S's, high stress levels, high student debt, and suicide. Those are the hot topics that are keeping people up at night within our profession. Another one that I like to point out that I think we should kind of keep on our radar that jumped up 30% versus prior year is veterinarians seem to be more concerned than ever around the competition that is out there between veterinarians, which to me is, is concerning because I see it as, as colleagues, not necessarily competition. And so I think that there are some things that we can do around that. Additionally, new to the, to the second study is we took a look at cyberbullying. And that's been another concern that we are hearing from the profession. And although it is important, it didn't pop into the top three to five concerns within the profession. Yes, I know that it's a, a large concern over many of the veterinarians that I have talked to. In this study, you have used medical professional, human medical parameters to define well-being throughout. So how do veterinarians compare with human medical professionals as far as burnout and some of their problems? Yes, so we used research conducted by the Mayo Clinic and looked at burnout and satisfaction with work-life integration. The main areas that we looked at were around hours work, satisfaction with work-life balance, suicidal ideations, and then we compared that to physicians and employed adults. Um, interestingly enough, veterinarians do have a higher level of burnout but that's not a function of increased work hours. We heard a, a lot of times, is, you know, veterinarians are burnout or um, experience fatigue because they're working all the time. And actually we work less than physicians but have higher rates of burnout. Some of the factors that are predictive of burnout are if you have a poor work-life balance, if you're not enjoying your work, if there's conflict when you go to work or between uh, coworkers, those are all things that can lead to burnout. 
And interestingly enough, food animal veterinarians are less likely to feel burned out than any other category of, uh, of veterinarians. And in the study, Dr. Royal, um, you looked at species type of practice as well as just overall um, veterinary uh, practices. So what, were, what did you see in the differences? You mentioned one about the food animal there, but you did food animal, equine, and companion animal. Can you give us some insights? Yes, it was interesting because in, in 2017, we really, we weren't able to break out the different species, our, our practice types. And so in it, with the second study, we've been able to do that because the question here was, depending on what species or what type of practice you're in, does that impact your well-being and does it, or does it impact your mental health? And I can tell you in, in both well-being and mental health or psychological distress, food animal veterinarians actually are, have higher levels of well-being and lower psychological distress. When we take a look at companion animal and, and equine types of practices, there doesn't seem to be statistically significant differences. So one of the things in the survey um, was that well-being seemed to be on average lower among younger veterinarians. What can you uh, tell us about that? Yes, well-being is lowest amongst younger veterinarians and this trend continues from the first study so that needs to be an area of focus is when we take a look at our younger veterinarians what can we do to help get them to recognize well-being is important and should be a focus for them we do see with our older veterinarians, so 55 age and older, they have a higher well-being, and it's actually higher than the general population. And so there's that point where we want to say for our younger veterinarians, hey, just hang on as you age, it'll get better. Your well-being will improve, but we can't say that. And that's the importance of the longitudinal study is because there's so many additional, if you're a veterinarian that's age 60, when you were transitioning from vet school to practice, there were different factors there. So we can't necessarily make um, comparisons amongst the group. But I do think as we take a look at our younger veterinarians, we need to pay attention and stress the importance of well-being in their lives. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Merck Animal Health, the makers of prestige vaccines, Banamine, Panicure, Regimate, Protozil, and other trusted equine health solutions. Merck Animal Health works for you and for horses. Learn more about Merck Animal Health's comprehensive portfolio of products, as well as their ongoing investment in our industry, profession, and community at MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com. And another area that, that uh, this study showed that we need to continue to focus with these younger veterinarians is with serious psychological distress, that it's harder in younger veterinarians and more common than in older uh, practitioners. Yes. When it comes to 
serious psychological distress. And, and I do have to mention here that the majority of veterinarians are not distressed. However, when it, we do have some veterinarians out there that are experiencing serious psychological distress. And our younger veterinarians are more susceptible. And as we compared it to our initial study, what we have found is that more veterinarians that are female are suffering from serious psychological distress, which to me is alarming because as we look at our profession and the fact that we are going moving towards more female veterinarians, this is something that we do need to pay critical attention to. And again, when we're talking about these serious distresses, it, it saddens us every time we hear, and we would love to not ever hear again, that a veterinarian has committed suicide. But this study actually delved into looking at that problem in the veterinary practice. Can you give us some of the highlights on that? Yes, so when we took a look at suicide ideation and planning, and, and keep in mind that we're, this is a survey. This is not looking at a survey of those individuals who have unfortunately been successful in that. And there's some pretty alarming numbers here because the way that we asked the question was within the past 12 months. So think about your past 12 months. We have numbers, and, and in our veterinary profession, if we look at AVMA numbers, there's about 114,000 veterinarians in the U.S., and almost 7,500 out of 1,000, out of 100,000, have thought about killing themselves within the past year. Almost 1,500 out of 100,000 plan to kill themselves, and um, 174 out of 100,000 actually attempted to kill themselves. And I think these are really hard numbers to think about that that's happened, that we've had people in our profession that have had those, those thoughts or made attempts within the past 12 months. And so I think we have an opportunity to make sure that there's an awareness of resources for individuals um, that fall into these categories so that we can move forward and hopefully have less of these within the future. And I think that's a great segue into this. The studies that you all have helped fund have provided techniques and potential solutions to improve mental health and well-being. So what are some of the, the things that this study is pointing to to help the veterinary profession be healthier in their well-being? There's a couple of key takeaways here that I think, and I look at it in two different ways. What can I do as an individual? And what can we do as practices together? And for me, the number one thing that we can do both as an individual and as practice groups is to create awareness and also provide the resources and access to care if, if and as needed we did find that veterinarians are becoming more caring towards those with um, with mental health issues, which I think is critically important because we know a lot of these individuals aren't getting the care that they need or may not be aware of the resources that are out there or may not be accessing resources or, or seeking care because they're worried about 
a negative stigma that might be associated with them. So I think the more awareness that we can as a profession, make sure that they know it's, it's okay to say that you need help or it's okay to take time off of work to, to get the resources and take care of yourself, I think the better off we'll be. I mean, and I, as we take a look as individuals, we're such a caring profession that we take care of everyone else, animals, before we consider taking, about ourse- taking care of ourselves. And if we continue with that trend, there's not, we're going to have veterinarians who don't have anything left to give. And it's important to recognize the need to recharge your own batteries so that you can provide the appropriate care uh, and compassion that's needed. As we take a look at, and I'll just kind of run through as an individual what you can do. Certainly, if you're asked, if your employer has an employee assistance program, if they have that or if they provide health insurance, there are different resources out there that you can that can help support you. But you have to ask and you have to ask what the resources are and take the time to look into them. There are also telehealth solutions that can be accessed. They're fairly inexpensive and time uh, and time efficient. So you've got ecounseling.com or sevencups.com. I would also highly suggest that um, individuals take the workplace well-being certificate program. So this was one of the programs that we've worked together with the AVMA and have uh, funded with the launch of the first study. They've developed five modules that are absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. It goes from talking about the importance of well-being in your culture to giving and receiving feedback to diversity inclusion and um, and things that you can use, real tools that you can use as an individual. I would say if we're looking at it from what can a practice owner do or what can we do together as a practice, again, it goes back to improving access and awareness. I would say that if you have regular staff meetings, perhaps invite someone local, a mental health professional that can come in and talk about well-being. Another key factor as we, you know, point back to one of the big concerns in veterinary medicine is finances or in student debt. Invite a financial planner to go in, to come in from your local area and provide counseling. A lot of times they're willing to come in and do it for free. So those are some of the things that I would highly recommend. And we also will be having additional tools that will come up on our vetwellbeing.com research, uh, our, I'm sorry, website. And those will be providing phone numbers and also links to resources so that it's easy for you all to provide these resources to fellow veterinarians and even staff. And Merck Animal Health has made a substantial contribution, and they're making another $100,000 commitment to follow up on this with the AVMA's Workplace Wellbeing Program and Resources. Um, This is what you were talking about earlier with the AVMA. There are modules that you can take. Um, What else would you uh, say that is, is good as far as resources if an individual or a practice would like to be proactive on veterinary well-being? 
I would say, in, you know, encouraging your staff members to go to that website and take the modules and then potentially debrief in a staff meeting. You could do it together as everyone commits to reviewing a certain module uh, for, you know, over two weeks in time, getting together as a staff meeting and, and debriefing on it. Or if not everybody in the practice wants to partake, then certainly as an individual, you can do those. I would also, as I mentioned before, you know, talking about getting engaged with a financial planner is going to be critically important. Also, having a stress management plan. You know, I don't know that I really ever thought about having a stress management plan before getting involved with our well-being studies. And, and so having a written plan that when life gets a little too stressful, that you can go back and um, and be able to really ground yourself is important. And we we found that within the study too, is those that have a stress management plan are more likely to not be distressed or be uh, a flourishing veterinarian. So providing opportunities to discuss that and compare, maybe pick something up from each other. And we've got a list of dif uh, different stress management techniques that can be found on the vetwellbeing.com website as well. That's great. And again, we want to uh, tell our listeners that not only does AVMA have uh, information about veterinary well-being, but the website is vetwellbeing.com that has some good information and resources available. Uh, Dr. Royal, is there anything else that you had wanted to add to this important topic about veterinary well-being and the study that was conducted? I actually have two important points that I would like to stress that we didn't exactly get a chance to touch on, but no matter whether we look at veterinarians, physicians, the general population, one of the most consistent predictors of a happy life is the social relationships that you have. Checking in with each other, checking in with colleagues, making sure that you're connected to friends and family in a relationship are all things that add into your overall well-being. Second to that, and as a reminder for individuals, limit time on social media. There is a negative association between your mental health and well-being. And uh, a friend and colleague, John Volk, told me, and, and I think this is something that resonates, is social media is not being social. So be cognizant of the time that you're spending on social media. Remember, for those of you with uh, children's or nieces and nephews, they're watching you too, and we need to leave a positive impact on them. So just wanted to leave everyone with that note uh, as we, as a profession, uh, as colleagues, we truly value each other. And my call to action for all of you is there's a colleague you haven't connected with in a while and you're listening to the podcast, give them a call after listening to this and, and check in with them. What great tips to end this podcast, Dr. Royal, and we certainly appreciate you being with us today. And we'd like to thank you for joining us to listen to this episode of Disease Du Jour and to thank our sponsor, Merck Animal Health. Please listen and rate previous and future episodes of Disease Du Jour on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you and be well.